Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello and welcome. This is Hannah, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. I am virtually sitting across from one of my colleagues, colleagues, Frank Wagenti, Senior Research Manager at GFK. And I think I'm actually going to declare you co-host for today, Frank. How do you feel about that? That feels great. I'm excited. Let's do it. Perfect. So Frank is going to be our data expert. He is an instrumental part of the Consumer Pulse study, which has been tracking the consumer attitudes and behaviors on the global COVID-19 pandemic since March. How has it been watching all of the attitudes and shopping behaviors change throughout the course of the pandemic? Uh, It's been interesting. I mean, COVID has essentially forced us to modify how we live our lives, right? Uh, In a very abrupt way. Um, you know, from how we live, what we're consuming and how we're shopping even. So um, it's been fascinating observing some of the attitudinal shifts we've seen in the data. Not to point out the obvious, but people are spending a lot more time at home with their families. Uh, you know, they're taking on new hobbies and streaming a lot more media content um, than they normally would. So and even from a shopping percep- perspective, we're seeing that, you know, people are fulfilling orders and new in different ways, you know, doing things like grocery shopping online. Um, which has seen limited success in recent years and doing things like curbside pickup. So um, and our data is suggesting that those are not uh, those are things that, you know, that will not fully reverse long term. So a lot of a lot of really interesting insights coming out of the data. Can you give us a quick explanation about the Consumer Pulse study just for those who aren't familiar with it? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, in the wake of the pandemic, GFK initiated uh, a global Consumer Pulse study. and, you know, uh, Hannah, you kind of already touched on some of this, but measuring some concerns and issues consumers have uh, and will continue to have um, with the intent of, you know, helping a lot of our business partners adapt and navigate, you know, these unprecedented times. So, uh, you know, to touch briefly on a, on a few more of the specifics, um, in the U.S., we've collected data on 10 different occasions since late March, early April, um, tracking consumer lifestyle and behavioral changes, purchase behavior, and how people uh, anticipate uh, their behavior will look after the pandemic. Um, you know, and my goal for today is kind of see where we can sprinkle in some insights uh, from our most recent data collection period, which occurred uh, the week of July 20th um, into today's discussion. Perfect. And that brings us to today's topic. Um, today, we're going to be discussing the impact of the pandemic for our the youngest part of our workforce, commonly known as Gen Z or Generation Z. There's no question that this age group will have defining moments, already have had defining moments, and are going to be having some challenges due to both short-term and longer-term effects of COVID-19. Now, seeing as Frank, I've now declared him a co-host, you can probably guess that the two of us are not alone. Uh, we're also joined by the next-gen competition winners, Sabrina Tatalius, Ibrahim Mirzanahoff, and Emily Vandermey. Big welcome to all of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Glad to be here. So Sabrina, Ibrahim, and Emily are all here to give us a first-hand insight into how they and their peers have been affected by everything that has happened in the past six months. Before we start, can each of you just go down the line and tell us how old you are and where you currently are in your college education? I can go first. So uh, my name's Emily. I am 21 years old, and I just graduated from Point Park University. I was studying multimedia and IT there. And 
Uh, in the fall, I will be earning my master's in interaction design from California College of the Arts in San Francisco. Perfect, Sabrina. So I'm currently a junior IT major at Point Park University, and I'm 20 years old. My name is Ibrahim. Uh, I am 21 years old. I also study at Point Park, and uh, I'm a senior. I'll be graduating this, this December, and I study IT also. Perfect. So as I said, they are the winners of the next-gen competition. Uh, basically, GFK has a hackathon competition every year where undergraduate students can get GFK data and choose what they can do with it, the insights that they can form out of it, and what kind of business decisions or campaigns they could make out of it. So just to get started, uh, I'm curious for all of you guys here, when did you first realize that the pandemic was going to dramatically affect your life? I know in the beginning, a lot of people didn't really realize, I don't think anyone really realized how long this was going to last. Well, I know for me, at least, I was on the uh, a bus to the uh, airport and I was going to Boston. And I got about uh, 50 emails from a bunch of people. So. Uh, Point Park, they went remote and they said that it would stay that way for the rest of the semester. Um, my boss called me and said that we wouldn't be going back into the office for the foreseeable future. And I was about to get on a full plane to a city I've never been to before. So it was really quite uh, quite the moment. I think that's when it really set in for me, at least. I think for me, it was more so when I started to see certain things start closing that I wouldn't have seen that before. Um, or businesses shortening their hours, um, at least where I live, I think that was just the real moment because that's something we wouldn't normally experience. Um, I guess the school thing and work, I, like that came kind of like last minute for me. I didn't think it was going to happen. I remember being in the office one day and then we were like actually joking about COVID in the beginning because that's when it was so fresh. And then the next day is when they told us to pack up our office belongings and same thing that we wouldn't be going back anytime soon. So I think that's really when it hit me the most. Yeah, I kind of agree with Sabrina here. It was mostly like a, uh, we didn't think of it as serious uh, before it became a big thing in, here in the U.S. So I remember when the NBA shut down, after that, I started thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to start uh, affecting everyone and you know, people traveling, people going to schools and things like that. Would you guys ever have imagined that moment when, you know, they're saying pack up your stuff, leave the office or anything like, or maybe your teachers are emailing you saying, you know, we're going online for the next couple of weeks. Did you ever think that that would be the rest of the school year? Not at all. I, I was honestly really surprised that that is what it had to go down to, I guess. Um, I guess my whole outlook on the pandemic is that there's still different solutions to certain problems and I think just canceling certain things like just flat out canceling going to the office and going to the school was a good like it's good practice to keep everyone safe. But I do feel like that's not what I intended to have happen, if that makes sense. I thought there would be some type of will or power that we would at least go back for a little bit longer or at least like shortened days or something to still have that in-person experience for our education. In Point Park, um, we actually get out pretty early compared to most schools. So personally, I wasn't expecting us to go back um, for the school year, but I was at least expecting to come back in the fall. And like I was starting my new master's program. I was like on Zoom calls with all my new professors and uh, students kept asking questions like, oh, 
what are we going to do if we have to stay online? And they kept saying, oh, no, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And here we are. And at least my fall semester is going to be completely remote. So I did expect spring um, ending online, but I definitely didn't see it. It's like still affecting us today. I'm also in a soccer team here at Point Park and uh, all of our like spring games and practices were canceled and we're kind of hoping everything would be back to normal by fall. Yeah, I think sports is definitely, you know, you you would never have guessed that like March Madness would have been canceled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think moments like that is probably when a lot of people realized how real this really was. I know it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom had tickets and she was oh, no. she didn't really care up until then and then as soon as they took away her basketball, that's when she got really upset. So <laughs> I know you don't mess with people's sports. Yeah. So have any of you guys or have anyone you known had the virus and what has that been like? Just a couple of weeks ago, I didn't really know many people or didn't know anyone. But just a couple of days ago, I found out that about three of my neighbors have it um, where I'm currently at. And we were actually about three weeks ago, I was here for my brother's graduation party and they were here. So we're all in the clear. We've been like quarantining, but that was definitely a slap in the face. I didn't think it would come that close to home, literally. So. Um, so at least for me, I had family friends who got it. I also have an aunt who's a nurse at a hospital and she was possibly like she possibly got the virus because a patient had it in the hospital system didn't tell her and her co-workers who were working that unit but that's the only signs at least in my relations that i've noticed people might have got it or did have it yeah th- that's interesting we're you know because we've, we've seen in the pulse that you know 12 percent of people have mentioned that they've been personally exposed and nearly a third have mentioned that they know somebody that's been exposed somebody that's close to them so um, definitely interesting perspective. When we look at living situations, uh, of course, you guys are still the age where you probably haven't bought a house. Maybe you have. I don't know. Um, but oh, has your living changed in terms of the pandemic? Have you had to move back home or get a different apartment? Have you had to move during it? Obviously, it did a little bit. You know, It affected everything, kind of. But uh, I was supposed to be... Uh, back home in Uzbekistan right now. (laughs) Obviously that didn't work out. So in terms of living, yeah, that was the the biggest thing for me. Can you currently, like, do you know when you'll be able to go back or can you, is it the borders currently completely closed there? Yeah, kind of. So my main thing was um, if I go back home, hopefully, uh, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to be uh, able to come back, Uh, you know, being a U.S., not a U.S. citizen is uh, difficult right now so right uh, you don't really know if you're going to be able to come back but yeah i mean i'm hoping that uh after graduation i'll uh, go back home and see my family and things like that what about you emily i know you mentioned that you are currently in the middle of a cross-country move how has the pandemic kind of changed that for you in terms of looking for a place in terms of you know movers coming and taking your things and maybe you're getting some of it shipped and you don't know who's going to be touching it things like that i'm actually pretty lucky i don't have many things so i'm able to you know, pack two suitcases and move which will which is which is nice however the challenge kind of came when i'm going to san francisco for my program and 
they just sprung the news on us uh, about two weeks ago that it's going to be all online. And I don't want to pay San Francisco rent if I'm not going to be taking in-person classes because it is insane out there. Uh, cost of living is um, through the roof. I think it's the highest in the country. So uh, I'm actually going to be living abroad. I'm going to be with my boyfriend and I'll just be taking online classes and we're going to be living in South America. I'm curious, Frank, do we have any data when it comes to, because I think it's a good point what you just made, Emily, with how uh, living in large cities can be really expensive and is it worth it if you don't have an office to go to, if you don't have a college campus to go to? Do we have any sort of data on people's attitudes or feelings about moving out more towards the country because of this? Not, I wouldn't say directly related. I know we do have some data points in there, um, you know, that kind of get to the fact that, you know, people... Uh, in general, just they don't want to be in highly populated metropolitan areas. You know, you know, they think they're at greater risk for infection in those areas. Um, you know, and, and people just they want to feel safe and you don't want to be stuck in, you know, a small studio apartment in New York City. Um, so, yeah, we do have some data that suggests that, you know, people are just they're hesitant to go to metropolitan areas or even live and visit metropolitan areas. That's interesting. At least in Pittsburgh, our downtown city. A lot of businesses and like large corporations have their leases coming up and they're actually thinking about pulling their lease and just having everyone work remote because that's how they have been working for basically the majority of the year. You know, we, we do have some data that suggests that, you know, people, you know, they see remote working and working from home almost as the new normal, right? Like almost two thirds of people are mentioning you know, working from home or remote working is, you know, is the way things are kind of progressing in the future, even post pandemic as a, you know, um, and this really necessarily is important data this is more my opinion that, you know, people are just becoming used to it and they don't, you know, they, then they feel comfortable doing it. It's something that they've adapted their life around. Um, and I, you know, the other piece of it too, is nobody kind of knows where we're going to land in terms of, you know, the pandemic and decreasing cases and whatnot. Yeah. I think, the whole job market in itself is a huge topic, especially for your generation, because of course you are the youngest part of the working force and you are currently, you know, you guys are all in school now, but you're going to be entering a workforce where if you had entered it in January, I believe the unemployment rate was around 3.5%. And just this past month, it was around 11%, which is significantly larger. So in terms of jobs, do you guys have any worries about finding a job are you currently do you currently have one are you looking for one i applied so when i was going to be out um, in california i was going to i applied to be a ta and that was kind of going to be you know how i um, made some money like to to eat and stuff like that but now i don't think those ta positions are going to be available um, because you don't really need a ta for online learning and it makes things a lot more complicated so uh, in the immediate future, that's what I'm worried about, like kind of finding a job to make some money on the side. But I'm really hoping that by the time we all graduate in a in a year or so, that things will be, you know, on the on the up on the upside. So, um, at least for me, I'm currently working. I had an internship that I got in my spring semester. And that ended up being able to get extended for the summer and the fall. I did have a summer internship that ended up getting shortened by a lot because of just COVID related reasons. But at least for me, I graduate next December and I feel like I have to be very strategic with how I make my um, career moves, if that makes sense. 
Um, I think it's just because not so much the market of what jobs I'm looking for I'm worried about. It's more so finding a job that won't be affected by COVID in the future. Um, so, for example, in the past, I was thinking about doing certain um, companies that might be more retail focused. But now I'm hearing how they're cutting so many jobs. So I'm like, oh, I better think more wisely about what type of company I go after so I can work remote. I won't be affected by another pandemic in the future. So I think it's just changing the way I look at my job search in the future. So I am safe and won't have to have like worries, if that makes sense of having to lose a job or anything. I just don't personally want to be in a position of that in the future. So if I could do anything in my power to not have that happen, I think I'm going to try to do it now that I see what could happen. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I didn't really plan on being here throughout the summer. I was supposed to be back, but luckily uh, through, uh, through a friend, I was, I was able to get a a very good internship here, a small startup company in Pittsburgh, and I'm glad it worked out. Uh, Frank, in terms of the consumer pulse data, is jobs or careers, anything like that, is that one of the top concerns currently in the country? So uh, the top concerns, you know, they focus primarily around the economic, well, I guess it's kind of related to the economic crisis that, you know, that's been induced from the pandemic. Uh, followed by the pandemic itself and then increase in diseases. So, you know, uh, you know, the pandemic and things kind of related to it in terms of public health and public safety, um, you know, and the economy are, are what people are most concerned about, you know, across all generations, all ages. Do you guys feel that your generation has been affected more powerfully by the pandemic? Have you guys thought about longer terms, if this is going to mean anything for you guys personally as a generation in five years time, depending on what happens? I think in the grand scheme of things, we're actually very lucky because we are still young um, and we are all still, you know, getting our education. So we have some time to think things over and adjust. You know, obviously this disease is impacting older people a lot worse, uh, not only from a financial perspective and of course, from a health standpoint, you know, older people are at much more risk of actually getting hurt by COVID. So I think... uh, uh, I'm actually, I actually think that we're pretty lucky to be in this position at this point of our lives. I feel like there's a lot of things that are going to start trickling down that we're not realizing may have an impact. Before COVID, I feel like certain things about like home life and how we spend time with family was definitely entirely different that people barely saw their family if they had working parents and children that were in school. But now we're spending almost like every minute with our family. So it's definitely shaping how we value family, which I think is gonna change a lot. Um, I think also in times of like consumerism, so how we spend our money, um, we can't really spend money as much now on experiences like travel and such because it's all within the United States basically or even we're not making as large of purchases. Um, more people are getting secondhand items more often I've been seeing, or more things such as like clothing or more comfy. So I think that's just shifting. Like people don't need to get suits anymore if we're not going to the office. I think it's just the big trickle down effect for how everything's gonna pan out in the next couple of years. Well, one of my perspectives actually is that these industries, so retail and travel, um, they have been seriously affected. But instead of avoiding those industries, I think we should actually be flocking towards them because they're the ones that need changing. There's like the most opportunity in those industries. Um, and I guess, you know, we're, we're all in IT and I'm in design. And I think that's really what we do best is just solving problems. And those industries definitely have the most problems right now. Uh, Emily, you mentioned that 
you know, the older demographic are in general more in danger of being affected by COVID-19 health-wise. We've seen the numbers for that. But also, I loved that you pointed out that they also have less time to adapt financially and get back on their feet if they are gravely affected by this pandemic and the shutdowns and long-term effects. And I think that brings an interesting note when it comes to the types of health requirements that are currently being put in place to help lessen the spread. And Frank, I'd love to hear if you have any data on this when it comes to who's most concerned and what are they most concerned about. But I'm curious to hear from you guys, the students, how you feel about these health requirements or how you feel like in general your peers have taken them when it comes to, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, lessening the times that you're out hanging out with your friends, you'd probably be hanging out with them more, or maybe you're hanging out with them the same amount. Do you guys have any perspective on that? I, I'm also in a soccer team here. So we we actually just had the meeting uh, yesterday about wearing masks and stuff like that. Uh, in the whole field, we're going to have to start with practicing with only 10 people on the field. And, you know, as soon as we start, stop practicing, we're going to start wearing masks and, you know, no handshakes, no like physical contacts with each other, you know, after and before practice and things like that, that, you know, try to keep us safe and uh, everyone else safe. I don't play sports, but uh, the job I worked over the summer, I worked full time for a marketing agency and they're also partly a production agency. So they do a lot of film for companies. And uh, just like Ibra said, it's like insane precautions. You always have to be wearing a mask. You have to spray down every single surface, all the cameras, all the equipment. And um, I wasn't personally on set because they wanted to keep, you know, it to a minimum, the amount of people present, but uh, it's definitely, you know, changed the way that people work. Yeah. And, you know, and some of the things that we're, we're seeing in the data, you know, kind of su- support the narrative that, you know, that's, that's kind of an outline in Hannah's question. So, you know, uh, you know, gener- the Generation Z are, you know, they're less likely to, to wear masks uh, to protect the people that they interact with. Um, and they're less likely to believe that the virus is still present and need to continue to be careful. Um, so, and then we're seeing quite the contrary with some of the older generations who are far more likely to adhere to social distancing, um, a lot more likely to wear masks, uh, even in areas where it's not mandated, um, which is, I think is very limited now. But uh, so it's just interesting to see the demographic split there. And, you know, and then I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the lifestyle decisions that people make generationally, you know, younger people, they want to get out. They want to experience things. Whereas older folks are, you know, they're concerned more about their health and their financial, you know, well-being. So um, it's it's interesting to to see that split. I don't know. That just kind of surprised me how there's that that shift. I guess because I feel like it's actually the opposite. I feel like I have noticed that more people that are younger are very um, precautious about the virus, and then older people are the ones that are saying they don't want to wear a mask when they go into a grocery store or something. So maybe that's just my like my viewpoint of how I've been seeing it around it where I live, but I think it could be really different depending on location and just how people are raised and everything too. So in Pittsburgh, um, that's like all my friends and everyone's basically my age. And then when I'm back in Lancaster County, it's all my family and it's a much more conservative area. Um, and you know, of course, all, a lot of my family's a lot older and I actually agree with Sabrina. I think that in Pittsburgh, and at least, and it might just be because like city versus rural areas, but me and my friends, we are very careful. But when I come back home, it's all, it's all a hoax. So 
Yeah, and and kind of along those lines, I mean, some of the trends that I'm referencing are more macro based, but I mean, you can really get into the nitty gritty, and you could cut this by, you know, uh, you know, region, uh, you know, where where they live, you know, um, a political affiliation, and and there's you, you, there's some pretty interesting differences across those. Um, but yeah, and no, I just I was just speaking more in a macro trend, but I mean, the nitty gritty, you know, does you know really flesh out a, a different story, but but maybe that's for a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> So besides just the pandemic, I mean, of course, people I think are overall more health conscious right now. I know I've never washed my hands more than in the last six months. Uh, Have you guys learned or observed anything about the U.S. culture or society during the COVID crisis that you maybe wouldn't have noticed before? Uh, Comparing two cultures, for example, you know, where I grew up in, you know, versus the U.S. culture. when the social distancing thing came, uh, became like um, very real, uh, I feel like here in the United States, people are kind of like taking that more serious than uh, where I'm from. Uh, you know, I think it's a very like a cultural thing. Back home is where, you know, people are more likely to, you know, shake hands more and like you know, probably like hug each other you know, like even more often and things like that. And these are some of the things that kind of didn't go away even with covid so i kind of think that you know i think i think it's also cultural that you know people are um they're kind of far more likely to obey those kind of things here and back home i think culturally and i don't have um eve's perspective i think i culturally i've just started to realize how to pendant the arts are on like in-person performances. I was very excited to spend my summer in Pittsburgh because of the art fest that was canceled. Who knows how much that costs local artists. We did some work with uh, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra and they've been hit hard because uh, they obviously can't perform and they're looking for, you know, digital solutions. It's definitely um, hard to see uh, these creative businesses uh, struggling, but I think it's you know also opening up the door for how how can we address this. I'm on a local nonprofit, and we were actually talking about this. How I guess of the artists in Pittsburgh that attend that festival, seventy five percent of their annual income comes from that two week festival in Pittsburgh for the arts festival, and I thought that was mind blowing because I never knew that was how much they made just off one festival. And you figure if you multiply that across the entire country of artists and performers, that's a lot. Shifting gears a little bit out of culture, um, another big thing, of course, with Gen Z is social media. Uh, Talking about TikToks completely blown up since the pandemic. Uh, But how do you guys think overall social media has played a role in the pandemic? Has it been net positive or net negative? I have a negative experience with it. I feel like <laughs> there's so many things happening beside the pandemic and it revolves around mental health. And I feel like that's something not everyone really talks about about the pandemic because I feel like a lot of this has made everyone very divided in our country when at time we should be together and trying to overcome everything, if that makes sense. Actually, Love, I think you guys have a very optimistic viewpoint overall about everything, which I think is very refreshing to hear. Um, 
and you've already asked a lot of these, but I'm wondering if you had to pick a couple of just silver linings, like first thing that comes to your mind that could really come out as a good thing because of the pandemic, what would you say? I'm so excited uh, to be able to like have a job where I can wake up when I want to, kind of set my own schedule, live wherever I want to, um, stay in sweatpants all day. Like that's that's the American dream right there. So uh, I think that's definitely gonna explode um, because of this, because people are realizing the value of remote work and people can still be productive even though they're not going into an office. So that that's one thing that I think uh, has been positive throughout this. Yeah, I agree with Emily. Remote work is uh, probably the biggest thing. So I second remote work and then probably between the different way we view finances, I feel like has been a really big shift and also like family life, like being with your family more than maybe before you weren't as connected with them. If we had sat here one year ago and I asked you if you wanted to do remote work, would you have said yes? Was that already in your mind? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I probably would say no because I always thought of myself of having interactions and, you know, be social and be like in an office. Uh, I thought I was like that until, like I said, uh, you know, I worked remotely and yeah, it was, it was, it was no, no big deal. You know, I think it depends on the organization too, how, how they set it up. Yeah. And Ibrahim, to your, to your point, um, you know, I, I, I'm all for remote working as well, but you know, as younger individuals that are just entering the workforce, do you feel like you're at a disadvantage from like a networking perspective and a relationship building perspective and, you know, even the social aspects of going into the office as well? Uh, so that relationship building kind of thing is actually very important to me, at least. Uh, I don't know about others, but, you know, building connections and you know, relationships, I think it's very important. That's why I always thought of myself as, you know, I want to be like present in an office and I want to see people. I want to talk to them and things like that. Well, I know um, I shared an when I was still uh, working full time in the actual office, I was really close friends with the person that I shared my cubicle with and we had a great time. And when we went remote, I was actually kind of sad because I enjoyed our moments. And as you guys said, like having relationships at work is really important. But we started setting time every single morning. She would call me. We just talk on the phone or on um, on Zoom for like 10, 15 minutes. And it was it was great. I um I wouldn't have yeah, it I felt just as connected with my coworkers. We were still able to joke around and slack and on Zoom and I, I think it's definitely still possible to have like a close knit team even online. I think my ideal scenario work-wise would probably be a hybrid the more I look at it. I actually worked before, like in a company where I would go in maybe two days a week, then online the rest. So that was the that was last year. So that was the beginning of when I was like, wow, I never considered remote work. But I think I still miss that social interaction in person. Like we're still doing like happy hours via Zoom, but it's not the same as being in person for a half right. hour, if that makes sense. But I liked how you pointed out the relationships and networking, because I feel like you can't make this. You could still do networking and like online dating, but it's not the same than being in person. You make a so much better of a connection with somebody for networking and recruiters in person because they remember you and your persona. And I don't think that always gets across via like a computer screen or something. So right. I feel like. It's going to be interesting to see how relationships change in the next year or two, because I'm thinking people that are going to start getting like married and stuff, 
it's all built off online dating and socially distanced dates and everything. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how that switches in the next year or two to see how that goes. No, I, I know here at JFK, we've done some virtual happy hours and, and it seems to help because Emily, like you said, it's like it, what you do seems very healthy with your colleague, you know, setting aside some time, talking about things that are not related to work, maybe the Pirates game or something like that. And you can just step away for a few minutes and not always feel like, you know, you're encumbered by something in your house or you're always on the clock. So it, it, was, it was an interesting perspective. Yeah, I always think the biggest thing about a Zoom happy hour is that you can't have side conversations. You realize how often in a real one you kind of break off into little groups and then you come back together and you break out into different little groups and you can't really have that natural inter- like interaction when you do it online. Maybe that's the future of Zoom. It's a- the breakout yeah. rooms? New business idea. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously you're all going to head, well, apparently Emily, you're heading to South America, but uh, you guys are going to start heading back to college, whether that's totally on campus, a lot online. I know at Point Park, it's a little bit of a hybrid situation. Um, How are you guys feeling about that? Because it's coming up really soon now. I'm really excited for hybrid. I mean, at least for me, I I do prefer in-person learning. I just feel like that's the best way I learn. But I think hybrid is what I'm more excited about because as a commuter, I don't have to go in as much. So transportation was before like two hours a day for five days a week. So that was a lot. So I'm excited for getting to at least go in for certain classes that I know need to be in person, but then online for ones that might be able to be still respectable or maybe go in one day a week for a class and online the rest. So I think it's going to be a better learning situation than strictly online, at least for what I'm studying. I think I'm going to benefit off of a hybrid better. It would be nice if I didn't have to be at campus all the time, but unfortunately I do have to because of soccer. So we are having mm-hmm. a season and yeah, it, it became official yesterday. So we're gonna, I'm gonna have to be on campus all, a lot. We're gonna be having practices and you know, meetings and things like that. So I'll be taking also campus classes and yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's my last semester, so it should be really nice. Frank, do we have any uh, information from Consumer Pulse about this? Some of the information that we have in the Consumer Pulse more so relate to, especially amongst, you know, Gen Zers and younger generation where college is relevant, um, is, you know, reopening of colleges and, you know, the financial health, you know, what it, what that means financially for universities and even the local economies of college towns. Um, you know, younger folks are they're generally more like they, they consider that less important um it, and, and maybe because it's not top of mind for them uh they consider that less important um you know and you know the trade-off between you know residential life going back to fall if it's if it's going back in the fall if it's putting students at risk or you know if it's solely for financial gain they, they consider that less important as well so i guess from a financial you know well-being standpoint of the universities what do you, what do you guys feel in terms of what that means for the colleges you know long term or even short term those schools are going online and the tuition rates still being up that high, you know, because a lot of students, they don't just go for classes. They also go for experience they share, you know, building relationships, like we said earlier, you know, building relationship with friends or professors and networking and things like that. So a lot of that will be missing. And I wonder if, you know, people will still want to pay that much for schools, you know? Yeah. College can be a whole other episode, at least to me. That's something I'm super interested to always learn about. I was always interested during the pandemic of how incoming freshmen that were going to be at a four-year institution, are they switching to community college to save cost? Um, At least in downtown Pittsburgh, I could already tell you like at least five businesses slash restaurants that already closed 
that are like blocks away from campus. So I feel like people don't sometimes think about the grand picture. Yeah, you know, personally, I, I think we've reached kind of reached an inflection point for how, you know, university is funded in this country, right? You know, because the cost of education or higher education, at least, has far surpassed the rate of inflation. So um, I think these universities need to think long and hard about how they expect to fund, uh, you know, the experience and, you know, the, the, the course load for these for, for younger individuals. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for being here today on the episode. It was a really, really great discussion. I have one last question for you because we are always thinking ahead here on thinking ahead, pun completely intended. So my last question for the three students is thinking ahead. How do you see your life in five years? And what are the parts that you feel like because of the pandemic, I now want to live my life this way? So I'm hoping to go into interaction design, anything basically that has a screen, whether it's like architecture or or car or phone. I just feel like this, uh, the problems that are arising emotionally, financially, physically, people aren't going to feel safe for a while. I think it's up to us to kind of build technologies that make people feel secure again. So I think that mentality, I can't tell you where I'm gonna be exactly in five years, but I think I'm gonna have that mentality of trying to make people feel you know, like they're cared for. I'm trying to be very strategic about my life. I've always been that way. And even with the pandemic, I'm like, okay, I still built my life that I have a plan somehow. I don't know how I did that, but I'm hoping to just find full-time work and pursue that and then I don't know where my life will be after that, I guess, only because how things are going with like how you have a harder time for relationships, because I feel like before that was always someone's game plan, if that makes sense, that you have that built in. But now with everything shifting, you don't know where it's going to be like buying a house without a partner, if that makes sense, or getting married. So I think the only thing I can really control at this point is how I shape my like my future career path or if I want to go back to school anything like that for my master's. So I think those are the only things I can really see myself change within the next five years. For me, it, it's a little bit different. A good thing about this pandemic is that it kind of gives us time to think about these kind of things and what we would do, uh, you know, what if situations and things like that. So it, it kind of, it gives us time to think about it and plan very strategically going forward. Awesome. Frank, where are you going to be in five years sitting at that desk? Oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, my wife and I just moved, so I'm sure I'll be doing something around the house or chasing my kids around the backyard. My life kind of is what it is at this point, not to sound grim or cynical, but it's a life I enjoy and the life that I built for myself. So, <laughs> Well, thank you guys all again so much for being on this episode. If anyone listening wants more information about the Consumer Pulse study or about the next gen competition that these three won this past year, um, I'll leave some links in the description for you guys. And also just make sure to subscribe and review the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We will see you next time. And now our closing segment, listen to this, where we'll share some fun facts pulled from our studies across GFK. Is Gen Z as affected by the coronavirus as other generations? Listen to this. 81% of Gen Z is concerned about coronavirus for themselves or their families. And more than half report feeling isolated in some way due to social distancing and lockdowns. And that's not all. 32% have also had to cancel plans because of COVID-19, which is significantly higher than the national average and other generations.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, click the link in the description. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.